and welcome to Frock Flicks, the historical costume movie and TV podcast. And I'm your host, Tristan L. Bass, and I'm here with our original Broadway recording cast of... Sarah Lorraine and Kendra Van Cleave. And we're here uh, for a podcast, which it's funny, you might not remember that we have one, even though we started as a podcast way back in 2007. Low those 10 years ago. And um, we're starting uh, a new format for our podcast. Um, Instead of just reviewing one movie um, at a time, uh, we're going to do something a little different where we uh, try to podcast more frequently, but um, do a little bit of a review, but also do some kind of news and reviews and some kind of what's going on in the costume drama frock flicky world and um, what's in, going on with us and, and what's going on with our site and um, just try to you know keep a little lighter and um, faster and try to give you more because you know it's what we do any opinions and thoughts about our our new format anything we should share you're asking us <laughs> <laughs> We just showed up. <laughs> just wandered in off the street. Yeah, you know, apparently I just picked up some randos here. <laughs> you were on a roll. I was like, yeah, I said everything you wanted. To, I wanted to say. Wait, what? All right. Yeah, I said. Good. Uh, so there we go. Um, speaking of introductions, um, one th- bit of frock flicks business that we might want to cover is that we. F- Starting um, sometime soon in this, uh, between now and the end of the year, um, we're going to start doing more uh, posts, more Patreon-only posts. And that's for those of you who are subscribing on our Patreon. And that's where you sign up through patreon.com and commit to, uh, you know, Donate a small amount your, of your choice, could be two bucks and on up, to help support us and, and you know help finance our crazy web server costs and um, help keep the site going. And we have tried to put additional posts on Patreon in addition to the five posts a week we do, but um, adding another one on top of that, those posts is really hard because you know we're all doing this for for love and outside of our regular day jobs and you know trying to have lives and you know trying to get some sleep every now and then. <laughs> so adding an additional post is really hard. So what we decided is that we're gonna um, move one or two occasional posts, you know, maybe one or two a month um, from now on. And then starting in um, next year, it'll hopefully will ramp up to be about one a week so that those who are Patreon subscribers will really get a full value for, you know, their support because we really appreciate your support. Um, We also realized that a number, a fair number of people um, send us one-time donations through PayPal. And we're going to try to figure out something to give to those people because those are amazing, you know, that's an amazing amount of support that we really appreciate as well. So if anyone has ideas, (laughs) um, feel free to comment on this uh, podcast post um, on the site or email us, let us know. Um, We're going to think of some kind of maybe, you know, maybe password-protected digital download or something, you know, cool like that, uh, that we can make sure that those who donate through PayPal as well um, get something special for their support as well. But right now, Patreon, it's, it's really easy for us to do. That's how it's set up to have you know, special content for subscribers only. Um, 
along the same lines, we'd like to give a shout out to those who are donating, who are currently donating $5 or more. So one of you like to read some of those? I know Sarah knows a few names. <laughs> I'd be happy to, uh, to read out the Patreon podcast shout outs. These again are the people who donated $5 a month or more. Emily Binion, Catherine Myers, Tanya Cloudon, Patricia G. Lunsford, Veronica Stark, Natalie Ramirez, Marcy Morimoto, Allison Rice, Martina Flynn, Marcella Brandau, Mary Dotson, Jennifer Bristow, Sarah Vaughn, Elizabeth Ferguson, and my personal favorite, my Aunt Candy, Candace Rossi. Yay! Yay. I have a question. <laughs> I want to know if Veronica Stark lives at Winterfell. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, my mind went to Tony Stark immediately. Uh, that's... <laughs> Iron Man, you know, <laughs> but no, actually a, a fair number of these people are actually friends and acquaintances of ours. So that's, that's kind of cool to, to look and see. And especially in my case, a relative of mine. So that's awesome. We appreciate all your support and we're going to make sure that you guys um, get some extra uh, content love coming up soon. And now for some news, kind of some what's going on in the world of frocks and flicks. So as I'm sure a lot of you know, um, fall is when a big, bunch of big series have uh, started up again. Obviously Outlander, which we've been posting about. Thank you, Sarah. Poldark has started up again on PBS in the States here. Um, also, The Collection, which Kendra reviewed when it was on Amazon, and now it's on PBS. And I have from an inside source that they are looking um, at the numbers that they get in viewers on PBS in particular to um, see if they get a, a second season. So watch it. Record it. Uh, if you like it, you know, maybe we'll get another season. Um, also, the Halcyon is playing on Ovation. Um, that uh, didn't do so well in the UK, so it's not getting a second season. So there's no hope for that one. Um, <laughs> if you liked it, if you like it, watch it. You know, whatever. Um, and then we've got uh, some things that are coming up uh, soon. So one thing that's coming up soon is a Netflix series called Alias Grace, which is based on a Margaret Atwood uh, novel. And I swear, I could have sworn that I read the novel, but of course, watching the trailer, which is what just recently came out, uh, I have no memory of it. So maybe not. Um, and when I initially heard the description, it didn't sound terribly interesting. It's a um, Irish woman who's a servant, I think, living in Canada or something. Anyway, who has been arrested for murder and she's been in prison for a really long time. Um, there you go. Uh, the trailer just came out, though, and it actually looks pretty interesting. I'm surprised. I'm not saying it's super shiny from a costume perspective, although there's lots of flashbacks, it looks like, to when she worked um, as a domestic servant. And Anna Packen plays one of the mistresses, and she looks like she has some nice, you know, maybe 1840s, 1850s dresses, that sort of thing. But it does look actually pretty interesting in terms of sort of the psychological thriller side of things. So there's a psychologist, doctor, some kind who sort of comes and, and is trying to work with her. And basically she's forgotten um, uh, the, the episode of whatever happened when whoever got murdered. So the question is, of course, did she actually do it? Or, you know, does she have amnesia because of some sort of trauma, whatever. Anyway, trailer just came out recently and it actually looks surprisingly interesting. And uh, Sarah, you saw a trailer for something coming up. 
Yeah, I found the trailer for The Man Who Invented Christmas. And I it's it's essentially it's a fun, lighthearted retelling of Charles Dickens, not Darl's chickens, uh, <laughs> life. As he writes A Christmas Carol, uh, it looks to be set in the early 1840s, so contemporaneously for when he actually did write the uh, the novel. Um, and I happen to like the 1840s. I know Tristan says it's the death of fashion, but I think no, it's that's the 1850s. The 1830s. I think the 1850s. No, you said the 1840s is the death of fashion. Well, it's the death, <laughs> it's and, and then in the 1850s, everything's dead. So, yeah. Yeah, well, 1850s, there's no help, hope for it. I really like the 1840s, so I'm looking forward to all of the uh, the the gowns and the costumes that hopefully are going to factor into it. Um, this also kind of falls neatly into this time of year for me because I am yet again getting sucked into the monster that is Dickens Fair. So having this kind of thing, this movie to get kind of worked up and excited about fair Dickens Fair is, is I think it'll be good. And so. do- doesn't it star someone we all know? Someone we all know. Uh, well, from Downton Abbey. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, well, you guys all watched Downton Abbey. I never did. Ah. <laughs> Dan Stevens, or Stephens, or I don't know how he says his last name. Yeah, he was, what, Matthew or something? Yeah. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, so you're supposed to show you that, like, this whole thing, not all of us watch all of the shows all of the time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's got it's got that guy in it from Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Thank you. He's just this guy, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's just this guy. <laughs> so that, that'll be fun to, to watch around this time of year. Um, the one other thing that uh, some people may have seen uh, posted to our Facebook page of Frog Flicks was there's a, a first picture that came out from the latest of the endless adaptions for uh, Little Women which is being produced by, I think, the BBC and will be on Masterpiece Theatre in the U.S. Oh, um, (laughs) I'm just, I can't work up a lot of enthusiasm about this because, um, as we always say, you know, there's plenty of other things that could be adapted that haven't been adapted before. I mean, I love Alcott. I mean, who doesn't? But, uh, bro, um, she even has other works that could be adapted. Um, and her own life wait, story wait, could be she adapted. Wrote, she wrote something else? I know, she shocking. Like, she did? <laughs> yeah, she had a whole lifetime of writing. Uh, the one picture is, um, as I think one person who commented said, uh, very pastel-tastic or something. Anyway, it's, it's, it's just, it's like all four of the sisters in um, super pastel gowns with flower crowns. Um, however... Uh, one of them was holding a bouquet, so I'm like, maybe it's Meg's wedding. That's what I was thinking, but to me, it's like, it's Dr. Thorne with and... the horrible Coachella flower crowns meets the beguiled with and... the, like, let's reinvent, you know, mid-Victorian as pastel. Uh. This is my not impressed face. Click on our Forgotten History uh, tab in uh, on the blog because there's a whole lot of shit that could be done that, you know, come on, Hollywood, come on, BBC, come on, ITV. Y'all got plenty of things you could adapt that would be far more interesting than doing recycling the same old shit. The last bit of, of uh, news, uh, and it's not really, well, it's, it's kind of, it's our frockflix.com news is what's hot in Frockflix search. These are some search terms um, that have been uh, 
the biggest and best uh, most recently in the past 30 days. And, and as we get uh, do this podcast more frequently, we'll get even, you know, be like the last week or something. Uh, so the Magnificent Century has been our top search term for, you know, the past month, which, yay, people are loving that crazy thing. That's random. Is it reshowing somewhere or something? Uh, like People are loving it. Also, hat, All right. also hat porn. Oh, yeah. I approve of it. I approve of hat porn. Hopefully they're finding my affair of the necklace post that was all about hat porn. <laughs> exactly. Um, we also had a couple of searches um, for Emperor Adrian Brody. Yeah, when is that coming out? Exactly. It was supposed to come out like a year ago and it just never did. I know. At least. At least yeah. a year ago. Because yeah. I remember Sarah did a preview post and there were questionable pants and things like that. But then there's Adrian Brody, so. Yeah. And there's been no update on IMDb, I'll have you know. Here's some very specific search terms. Uh, quote, appalling performance by Jolie Richardson in The Devil's Violinist. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds like what, <laughs> what Sarah said. I, yeah. I, I feel like we've satisfied that one. Um, also, in the Cinderella movie, did Cinderella wear white or blue gloves? It's a question. It's a que I don't think we answered that one. Um, one no. that I was uh, quite amused by, uh, Jeeves and Wooster action figure. I actually had to Google this because if there's <laughs> a Jeeves and Wooster action figure, I fucking wanted that. And yeah. then, no, there isn't. What? No. That's bullshit. That there should bullshit. be. Um, and then there were two searches for, there's how to make a Pride and Prejudice zombie dress and Pride and Prejudice zombie costume pattern. So I feel like that's Halloween related. So maybe, maybe this could be, you know, something that we could like, if we were like super motivated, we could propose to some, you know, like uh, Jezebel or something as here's the hot new co Halloween costume trend is going to be <laughs> Pride and Prejudice zombie costumes. You yeah. think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Sound legit? Yeah. yeah. It's definitely legit. Totally. Too legit to quit. Right. It's zeitgeisty. Right. It is. So, yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's coming back after a couple of years yeah. later. Now, um, as uh, probably our readers are not familiar, listeners are not uh, super familiar with, that most of our popular search terms are sex and scatologically related. Um, so uh, those ones have been uh, saved for later uh later clarity and commenting yeah. on in in detail but we just wanted to highlight some of the the really up-to-date ones the things that change you know For our first uh, kind of review section of our new podcast format, we're going to take a few minutes, as long as we give a shit about it, uh, to talk about the season two uh, premiere of Versailles, that wacky, sexy, European-produced a uh, series about um, the Sun King and all the people he bangs and the stuff going on at the um, start of the building of his fancy palace. Well, I just have to confess that I petered out on watching season one. So I got to say, holy shit, they, like, they went from like 
you know, the beginning to, oh my, okay, so the Dauphin is like functional and walking around enough to be kidnapped and he's on to Madame de Montespan as a, as a mistress and all of that. And yet the hair hasn't changed. <laughs> we, we still haven't gotten the, the formal curls let alone the men in wigs. So I want to know when those, when the men's hair is going to get, you know, big. big I, pre exactly. I predict never. <laughs> Pro yeah. Probably not because yeah. it would be weird. Yeah. They have, they have a strong attachment to some um, very nice wigs. I'm pretty sure those are. Yeah. Um, in fact, I keep looking at like Louis and Phillips wigs and thinking like god i wish my hair really looked like that that's like the exact color that i try to go for when i want to dye my hair <laughs> and it never looks that good so i yeah. I, I love their lace fronts i'm sorry i know it's no, not i, I, I just too. i love yeah. they're they're hot they're super oh they're hot. so pretty they're i mean pretty. okay so the more that i look and the more that i watch it because i kind of was like kendra and I, yeah. I basically petered out in the first season and watching the second season the first two episodes of the second season and i gotta say uh, it's a lot more interesting for some reason, and also the boys are still pretty. So it's it's the interesting is keeping me there for the pretty boys. That's I, so I have cool. to say. So my what I liked about it the first time, the first season, because I, I watched it. I'm not saying I like paid much attention. Mostly for me, it's it's good eye candy, and what Versailles does. It, it, it kind of does the same thing, I guess, Poldark does for other people who don't swear and don't like as much sex, I guess. It's, it's the superhero action movie version of historical costume movies. Um, so it does, it gets, um, it gets the big, uh, big fancy costume set. It's, it's flashy. It gives your good highlights of history without getting too deep or getting too nitpicky. Um, and it gives you the whiz bang and it kind of satisfies that itch just like an action movie would for people who like action movies, by the way, I really hate action movies. Um, this was confirmed for me sidetrack by watching wonder woman finally, where I'm like, ah, this is, I like, conceptually but it's still a fucking action movie and i hate action movies and and but i get that that jones that people want from action movies where you just you just want to see stuff blow up you just want some simple you don't want complicated anything and shows like versailles and poldark give you that that feeling that you know oh, i'm going back in history and and things are pretty and um you know, you get some, and in, in Versailles, it's like more the sex and the politics. In Poldark, it's more the sweeping romance. Um, and it's not as stupid as, say, Rain or the Tudors. But you just... You it's get, less dumbed down. It's yeah, less dumbed down. It's less dumbed down. Right. It's not like as, you have to really pay attention, like Rolf Wolf Hall or something. It's kind of like, yeah. Yeah, it's right in the middle. I agree with you, and I think that's actually a really good way to put it, because... The flip side of not having watched, you know, three-fourths of the first season is I felt, you know, right back in it. And in some ways, it was like how little had changed. It's still Louis in his pretty wig tromping around in, in I'm sorry, what are very, very pretty men's costumes. Um, <laughs> actually, I'm very happy with all the costumes. Um, and we can talk more about that. But yeah, it, it kind of skims the surface. You get a lot of people in rich dresses. You get a lot of 
oh, there's plotting going on, and yet you don't have to really know who is that guy and who's that guy, and you know, and what's what's the religious background and the you know of the the war that happened thirty years ago and all of that. You can just kind of dive in, and it's palace intrigue and sex and and pregnant mistresses and other excitement. I actually, I feel very similarly. Um, when I first started watching this episode, uh, I got really, really antsy about the, the timeline because, you know, everything has to be historically accurate in my world. Um, but then I, there's the other side of it is that this particular chunk of time, this the 1660s, 1670s, 1680s, were so jam-packed with all of this action that was happening right on top of each other. And so in a way, it almost doesn't matter that, you know, it's, what we're seeing in this first first episode is the buildup of the affair of the poisons, which was a a, uh, a huge scandal that hit um, that hit Louis Court. Uh, it started in the sixteen mid sixteen sixties, from what I've uh, research I've been doing, um, but it went all the way through to like the seventeen eighties and or sixteen eighties. Sorry, the sixteen eighties. So it was a good almost like twenty years of this just this uh, people being poisoned for political reasons and for all these other different reasons. Uh, a lot of uh, mysticism wrapped up in it. Montespan got, uh, was actually heavily involved in this particular scandal. Um, she basically poisoned Louis for 13 years uh, with a concoction that was supposed to make him love her. I mean, it, it ended up being pretty benign, thankfully, but the fact that someone that close to the king could do that, it really rattled Louis to like realize this. And so their their uh, relationship breaks down right as the affair of the poison starts ramping up. And he basically sends her away to kind of just get her out of everything, uh, to, to have her beheaded the way the other people that um, were lesser ranking ended up being beheaded and, and tortured and everything. It would have just reflected badly on him. So she he basically sends Montespan just away to the country, get away. <laughs> and she's basically out of court life from that point on. So that's about the six, early 1680s. And uh, so, yeah, and that was one of the things I was trying to do was just kind of piece together um, when this particular episode, this first episode aired. And I got to the point where I think it's like 1669, like the winter of 1669. Um, but they're condensing a lot of things like you know, uh, the Franco-Dutch War didn't happen for another couple of years. Um, Montespan gives birth to Louis Auguste in like 1670, and here she's pregnant with him. Um, and then, yeah, so I, there's just then in the affair of the poisons, which was sort of going on underneath this. It was a very like uh, you know deep undercurrent at this point. Didn't blow up until like the 16 like mid to late 1670s. So. But like I say, there's like so much history there that it's even you know even me trying to like talk about it, it's really hard to keep it all in track because it does kind of all happen sort of on one after the other, and I, and it's a great plot point. The affair of the poisons is is in fact I was just lamenting on the uh, Mistress of Darkness post that I did a couple of weeks ago that that was actually about the affair the beginning of the affair of the poisons with um, the Marquise de Bonvier. I can never say her name right. Um, but she uh, she began poisoning her father and her her brothers to gain access to you know all of their money and everything, and it sort of spirals, spirals out of control there uh, from that point, and it just ends up collecting like a, a snowball rolling downhill. So there really needs to be um, a really good retelling of the uh, of the affair of the poisons uh, because it is such an interesting part of French history. 
Um, and it looks like Versailles is gonna is kind of setting us up for that, which I'm really actually kind of excited about. Um, I'm, I'm sucked in now. Now I want to watch it to the end, even though it's not historically accurate timeline wise. Well, and and moving up timelines is is one thing that happens in movies and TV all the time. Um, it, it's the nature of the beast because you know obviously you know you have an hour. Or, you know, in the case of a movie, you know, maybe two hours to tell a story. And and just for storytelling purposes, you have to move things along, dramatic uh, dramaticnesses, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm not, you know how, it, dramatic tension and all that. Um, you need to tell things in a certain way. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that, um, as long as they're not wholesale, like, throwing random invented people into it. And, you know, Versailles has a few invented people. Um, the, the lady doctor is still there. She's wearing women's clothes right now. So with her hair hanging in her face, shitty hair, shitty hair. She wears boys clothes in the next, in the second episode towards the uh, end. She shows yeah, up in boys but, clothes again. But Philippe wears girls clothes and I'm all here for that. Yeah. Woo! I know that. God, he's so, so, uh, so can I mention also another, another great character that's just shown up in the second, second episode, which we're not going to delve in as much to, but is the Princess Palantine. Yes. And she no, is talk. fabulous. She's yes. so good. Yes. Oh my God. She's so good. <laughs> she's so good. Um, yeah, she's really good. And, and actually, since we mentioned the second episode, um, I feel like some, there's some better costumes in the second episode than the first one, because Chevalier is back, and he is so good. And he has this banyan that is just like, oh, it's uh, gold, uh, blue and gold chinoiserie. And, I knew uh, you would want that one. I knew you'd see that. <laughs> it's so beautiful. He is, yeah. I mean, he's a hilarious character, um, just because him and Philippe are just like, bitchy queens in the best way uh, ever and and then he gets good, good clothes because he's the best bitchy queen so you know uh so speaking of costumes if anyone wants to or any other things go go ahead i have a costume uh thing to mention actually in the yes. first episode um the wife of the guy who dies first um one of uh, one of louis ministers whose name is now is renard de yes. renard uh, Renaud, whatever, Renaud, something like that. He, uh, his wife is wearing a dress that's made out of that same fabric that my George Sand jacket is made out of. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I want to. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's more of that stuff out there. So for those who've not seen this photo, I posted it a few weeks ago on a on a Woman Crush Wednesday. I did on George Sand of me dressed up in my George Sand costume, which is um, it's uh, the fabric is a silk cotton blend that has um, black on black uh, damask pattern of um, grape leaves, like grapevines. And it's it's gorgeous stuff. I bought seven meters of it in Colchester like 11, 12 years ago. Um, and what's funny is I keep seeing this fabric popping up in other historical films in different kind of colorways. So I know it's out there somewhere and I'm going to find it someday. And it's Not unless I find it first, bitch. Oh yeah. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I want it. Yeah. Cause I saw it's that on. dress. It's, it's cause she's supposed yeah. to be in mourning for, well, yeah. her husband's been killed and she's suspected of it. And so she's wearing this black dress while she's being in, 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 um, uh, uh, interrogated. interrogated and you get this beautiful side view and the light hits it just right and you see that damask and it's gorgeous 
It is. I've had people threaten to kill me to get that. You know, <laughs> yes, yes, I've been one of those people. Dead body. <laughs> so yeah, so that was exciting, and uh, and I was all, dude. I know there's more fabric out there. We can go find it. One other little costume thing is since Montespan is pregnant. Um, I mean, okay, I admit, and we're three people who are childless by choice, so we don't really know shit about pregnancy. But with that style of gown, you know, she's she's carrying she's got to be carrying really super low to be laced up normally, quote unquote, and then the pregnancy is only showing down below the waist seam, really. Commerce. Yeah, well, and I mean, and the front of the bodice is heavily boned and has a V point. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, I can imagine that it theoretically, if there were, were a real baby in there that, you know, it, it would sort of do some pushing, but not a lot. But actually, the big thing is, is Montespan was one of the people who really introduced um, dressing gowns and the whole concept of déshabille, which was the idea of being dressed informally in in loose robes and that sort of thing. And the whole idea was that she was actually showing off that she was pregnant by wearing, you know, these loose dresses, but in public and at events and things like that. Um, so, I mean, I can get from the filmmaker's point of view, maybe that would be confusing. Um, but at the same time, I think if she flounced into, you know, one of the card parties or something in this big drapey, you know, dress, you know, holding her belly, you know, that that could be equally dramatic too. And coincidentally, uh, since I have watched the first two uh, Poldark episodes, uh, What's-Her-Face, Elizabeth, who Ross is super in love with, but not really, and who he raped, and so she's pregnant. Um, she's pregnant, and she's wearing, quote, normal 18th century clothes. She's wearing a riding habit, which is all laced up normally with a bump that's really low, like the same style, like, do the people, do the costume designers, the women, does nobody know? I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm not, I've never been pregnant, but I've seen a lot of pregnant women in modern clothes and they, they have a more rounded bump. It's not this little thing that comes out just, just down below your the waist seam. I don't know. Anyway, comment. So one of the things that, uh, one of the shows recently that has done a pregnant character in a historic costume really well was Outlander in the... Uh, uh, what was it? The fourth episode of this season. And um, it was the character of Geneva Dunsany. And after she gets spoilers, uh, knocked up by somebody who we will not mention, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyways, she gets knocked up and then it flashes forward several months and she's shown getting out of a carriage and she's wearing a uh, kind of like a Jesuit, um, sort of like a little traveling costume. And she's really pregnant from like where you would expect a pregnancy to sit, you know, like it was really padded to make it look like she was actually carrying a baby. And like the, the, um, the costume had been sort of judged around it. And I liked that. I thought that was good. So, so it can be done without yeah. I don't know, sacrificing anything. And uh, I think people just don't, I don't know. I really don't know. Is it, is it just afraid to put the pretty girl in a pregnant suit and like make people go, ew, she's not as attractive anymore. Like, what is that? Yeah. You and know? in both of these cases, both Versailles and Poldark, they, the care, other characters say, Oh, she's only a few weeks from giving birth. So yeah, she looks like she's, she looks like me after I've eaten a burrito. Yeah. <laughs> and, and 
I don't, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And then you've got the flip side with last season on Poldark where you had the uh, Caroline, the heiress character, where the actress was pregnant and they spent <laughs> the entire season with her holding her really cute pug or other conveniently placed things in front of her belly trying to show that she wasn't <laughs> pregnant. And of course, in all of my recaps, I kept pointing out every little time they slipped and you got to see her belly because I'm an asshole like that. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So you've got the flip side. You've got this heavily pregnant actress and they're trying to hide it. Let's put a rhododendron in front of her. <laughs> really? Carefully placed really? Um were there any uh, other costume things we noticed on 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 uh, Versailles? Um, I'm mean, just generally pleased. Um, I mean, there were a couple of little things I questioned, like a lot of the um, women's dresses had contrasting sleeves or different sleeves in a different fabric, and I would want to. I'd need to go and look some more to see was that really done as much. I don't feel like it was done as much as was shown on the show. But really, like, um, I, so I don't know any of the characters' names, but the the very sort of young and tiny, dark-haired girl who's working with the kind of spy. Uh, Sophie. Sophia. I think her name's Sophia or Sophia. Yeah. She yeah. turns up in this kind of peachy dress. Yeah. And, I mean, it really looked straight out of the classic um, – 18 well it's an 18th century drawing by Diderot in the encyclopedia that shows the classic uh 17th century court gown and it it looks exactly like that they've got the the neckline right on the shoulder they've got the sleeves really canted towards the back they've got the skirt sort of draped up and open um uh, I'm really pleased oh but I had one thought at one point um Louis doing, you know, one of the many things he does where he stands in front of in a room full of people and, and is being Louis. And Montespan comes in and she drops. She completely drops across this entire room and like grabs him to like do whatever. It's like, you know what? There was this thing actually called the Versailles glide (laughs) that people actually a specific walk people did to avoid stepping on people's trains. And trust me, I don't care if there weren't any trains in sight. Madame de Montespan would not clomp through the room. She would glide gracefully. And it was funny because when I was watching that scene immediately I thought of you Kendra and just tromping because <laughs> she was. She was like tromp, tromp, tromp. And uh, and then a lot of other actresses I've noticed in that show do the same thing. And it's like come on guys, try to like at least move in your costume like it's a clothing and not your modern clothing. <laughs> People need to like learn how to like use their body in clothing. Yes. Period clothing. I will say that the, at least, you know, with the first two episodes, the the fabric choices are less, overall less clunky um, than they were uh, in the first couple episodes of the first season of Versailles, where there was a lot more um, kind of upholstery type fabrics. Um, You know, it's, there haven't been a ton of close-ups, so I I can't really super tell, but there were some real clunkers um, early on before so you know it's now more muted (laughs) and less like garish um and with a few beautiful standouts again like um chevalier's banyan uh and i you know and i i'm wondering so the first couple first two episodes so far i've had um minimal uh sex and i'm wondering if that was kind of a bat because of a backlash about 
how how much the British press, at least, complained when it was first aired in the UK. The American, uh, especially this was a big deal last season when the Americans figured out that they were getting a, a sanitized version of Versailles. And uh, it was, you know, we had the conversation this time around um, before we, you know, when we were watching the uh, these, these episodes. Uh, we made sure that we found uh, a European version, a British version, because we wanted to see what the hell we were, you know, what are the Americans going to be missing? And so I, uh, there were some theories about how it was the boobs or something that Americans couldn't handle breasts. But I really think it's the pubes because this is <laughs> yes, Montespan is naked a lot and she's got pubes. And I'm like, A, team pube all the way. <laughs> all three of us here are very much team pube. And so it's nice to see a natural woman, you know, who's uh, womanly and desirable by a freaking king. Anyways, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's 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 lady parts down below the waist that uh, that Americans can't can't uh, get my smelling salts. <laughs> well, well, I will say because I've I've watched both versions. I watch it on Ovation because I'm the sole person who has um, basic cable here. Um, and then I watched the, uh, the did you for season two. Yeah, I did it for that too. Um, and then I watched the, um, uh, the original version, uh, and it's boobs. It's anything. It the, it's everything. Do the Americans get pews? No, the Americans get nothing. They just cut the scenes out they, entirely. They do these cuts. They just cut. They cut. So you don't get you don't get any of the dialogue or like whatever developments going on in there. It just is cut out. It's it's a cut. So like uh, in this one, there was a Even cut. Like, do, they, do they put like happy faces over the? No, car? no. There was just it's just cut. <laughs> it's just cut to like the the King Louis hot tub there. What was that giant freaking hot tub? Which I was like, okay, I, I, if I were a king, I'd have a big hot tub like that. But it didn't well, seem very... My very first true. thought is that water is not going to stay hot for very long. <laughs> no. You know, you're sitting in a tub of, of lukewarm water. But, Ugh. you know, I like a Milk, hot tub. Milky lukewarm um, water. <laughs> but they, they pretty much cut that scene to where they're talking and there's some drapery or something and and there or there's some disrobing that's right there's some disrobing and then they're suddenly in the hot tub and there's voiceover so did they get do they get boy butts like when when philippe and there are occasionally boy butts with philippe and chevalier yeah i mean so we get boy butts in the u.s occasionally hmm. if we're hmm. very good <laughs> i think there's a limit on the number i should count them i should count the boy buttocks that will be my task for the next article, I guess. I like, I'll count the boy yeah. butts. Um, but I'm too distracted by the hair, actually. So It is really good hair. It's really good hair. Yeah. Agreed. I just would like to, I hope at some point they get the guys into the real artificial curls. Because I. the more artificial the hair in the sense of, you know, not just your hair worn down. Uh, the better. But of course, I'm thrilled that they have the men in long hair and they have the women with their hair up and styled. Yep. So. Oh, and I did notice, and this was more obvious in the second episode, fewer of the um, Seinfeld puffy shirts. Nice. Because <laughs> that really bugged me in the first series. Yeah, I spotted those too. One thing I did want to point out that I actually also really liked is the uh, 
Louis advisors, you know, they always wear black, but they've got those, those lace, they're falling, vestigial falling ruffs, basically, they're turned into kind of a bib. And the lace on those things are really nice. It is. I was, I was impressed. Yeah. yeah. All through Agreed. the first season and the second. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Some sourcing some quality lace there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think we've pretty much covered Versailles. Um, so I don't know what we're going to cover. Well, actually, I have an idea of what we're covering, at least uh, in a future episode. Uh, hint. We will have access to the first episode of Jamestown, bump, shika, bump, bump, because we're going to uh, get some in-flight goodness on that. In a future uh, podcast, we'll definitely have uh, some of uh, some Jamestown action for you. Um, I don't know if we'll necessarily get a podcast in before that. Depends on our schedule. We don't know our schedule at this point, but it will be more frequent than two podcasts a year. At least once a month, hopefully twice a month. All right. Good times. Um, So I think that's it for this podcast. And any final words from you guys? Just uh, we love you guys and thanks so much. Uh, We do a lot of work for this, but it's fun because we love interacting with all of you, uh, you know, on the blog on Facebook, on Twitter, by email, whatever. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for participating. Keep those wacky search terms coming. They provide (laughs) endless entertainment for us on long, boring days. (laughs) Damn straight. All right, then. Let's sign off. Bye. Bye!